want to thank you for being here this morning. We've got a great crowd. It's good that all of us could be together this morning, beautiful Lord's Day morning. I appreciate the prayer, Brother Kent, on my behalf. And uh, as was prayed, I hope that there's something I can present to you this morning that will be beneficial to you. You know, the last few weeks have been, actually the last couple of months, kind of a little roller coaster for us as far as things that have been happening in our life. Times of joy, times of sorrow, times of, you know, just kind of going along and so forth and so on. And one of the redeeming things that has happened to me in the past couple of months, especially that I've been thinking a lot about, is redeeming the time taking that time that has been given to us, taking the time that God has allowed us on this earth, understanding as we talk about so often that we're on this side of eternity and using that to our advantage. You know, when you look at the slide that's up there, you think about how small we are and the fact that God in his infinite wisdom and his infinite glory gave us what he has given us in this life I think it's evident to us that we can see how great is our God. When we talk about the time that we have on this earth and how we use that, a lot of times I think about how selfish I am with my time and I redeem my time so much for me and how it will help me and how it will make me feel better and how I can do more in my life. Instead, I think we can all hopefully take the lesson this morning and say, how can I project that on others? You know, I'm not a big Facebooker, I would say, in any form or fashion. I enjoy kind of staying up with some of the things that are going on, and some of you may be into it, some of you may not be into it, but I will tell you sometimes when you think about redeeming time that there are little things on there that can mean so much to people in, in what you say. Sometimes it can be painful, sometimes it can be hurtful, but there are a lot of good things that come from that. Uh, Debbie Lane, particularly, and I, a couple of people said, who are you going to call out today? And I, I even told David, I said, I'm going to call Debbie out on this. But as you're going through that sometimes, I don't look at it necessarily every morning, but there's very few days that she goes through without putting a picture of the sunrise, of the moon, or something that God has created in nature. And you know what that does for me? It reminds me of how great our God is. It reminds me of these things that I take for granted every single day. Yesterday morning, I was on my way to Amarillo uh, to do kind of my, my normal work, uh, work thing. I typically don't work a lot on Saturdays, but this weekend I particularly did for my business. And the timing of all of it and the timing maybe of the lesson this morning, it really kind of hit me because uh, during the time that I was traveling, um, sometimes I just don't really care for the landscape in the West Texas Plains. The desert, and I think a lot of us can relate to that, I really like greenery and all that. But there's very few places that could have happened what happened to me yesterday morning. When I saw as the moon was setting, so to speak, uh, on the west side, and just how the horizon will make it big and huge, and at the very same time I looked left, I could look right and see that very huge sun coming up at the same time. And I know that happens from time to time, but it's like, you know, it's just one of those things that how great is our God? And those things that he has put in motion, those things that he's done for us, I take for granted so often. 
And I think if all of us are really dig into our hearts today and think about even, as I said, those last couple of months that kind of have been a little bit of emotional roller coaster and joy of a new grandson and death of friends and loved ones that have gone on and, and maybe some tragedies that have taken place in your life. Do I give God the glory and understand that he is in control and understand that we have a much greater purpose in our life? This is a picture of Athens, Greece, and the picture itself isn't going to do a lot of justice to as far as the Areopolis where uh, actually where Paul was actually talking to them, the Apostle Paul addressing uh, the, the people of Athens at the time. But if you can, take your minds back to Athens, Greece during that time, and, and you could probably visit today and see a lot of the history that happens back there. But as far as all the gods that they were serving, all the individuals, and actually this picture may not be exactly Areopolis and where it actually took place, but if you can just imagine on that hillside, you can see the small people and think about how many statues were sculpted, how many altars were, were placed there and built there, for all of the gods that they had during that time. And as a, the Apostle Paul addresses them in Acts chapter 17 and verse 22, he said, He stood in the midst of Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. By the way, all my scriptures are New King James Version if you want to check my work from the Pew Bible. I perceive that in all things you are very religious, for as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, all these altars... I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is, his worshiped, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And we think about as he's telling these people that, and obviously these are people who are worshiping other gods, I have to reflect to myself and say, what other things are getting in my way? What altars have I built to things that don't pertain to our great God and what he has given me? What statues or what things are getting in my way of perhaps maybe giving him the glory in all things in what we do? And he's telling those people, this one that you've put that says to the unknown God out in the middle of all of them, him I'm going to proclaim to you. This morning you're here today and you say, well, I know about God. I know God is great. I know God has created everything. But what I want us to do when we talk about redeeming that time, the time that we have on this earth, is how are we using that time to make sure that in all things, as often as possible, that we are giving God the glory in those things. Genesis 1, and Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And we all understand that in the very beginning of the Bible, very first verse, that he talks about all the things that he has created. And he doesn't need our worship. He created all things. And as we continue in Genesis 1 and verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle over all the earth and over all, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. He created us. He put things in motion. He created the earth and, and going through the whole creation story, understanding that without God, we're not here today. 
the things that we have, the things that we do in this life. You know, I think most of you understand I like construction. I'm not saying I'm good at it, but I like taking raw materials and sometimes repurposed materials and turning them into other things. Now, I will tell you, I don't have a whole lot of talents. I don't have that many talents in this life, but if all the talents that I had that God has given to me had to make this earth kind of go around, so to speak, when you talk about from finances and economics and, and some of the amenities that we have, this would be probably still, we'd probably still be in the Stone Age, let's just put it that way, if I was in charge of all that. But God has given each of us talents and abilities to be able to use so that we have lights, we have the comforts that we have in this life. We have the automobiles, the things that we didn't even have that weren't even there when Jesus walked on the earth. God gave those individuals the ability to be able to create those things. How often do I create a project or put something together and say, look what I did. Look what I did. I posted all over Facebook and say, take a look at this. Look what God has allowed me to do is the attitude that I should have. And as we go through life, do we give God the glory in those things that we do and those talents that we have and what he has given us? It's pretty easy sometimes for us when things are going great, when things are going our way, to say God is great. God has done so many things. And to give God the glory. It's a little bit harder when things get tough. Maybe we get down. Maybe we're, we've lost our job. Maybe we're fixing to have our electricity turned off because we don't have enough money to pay the bills. Maybe we've lost a loved one. Maybe there's a lot of trials that are going on within your family and turmoil. Do we still give God the glory? Do we still give God the glory for those things? And you say, well, how do I give God the glory for those things that are painful in my life? It's about turning to him and understanding that there's so much more to this life than what he has created and given us access to in this life and we need to continually remember that. Psalms chapter 89, understanding that all these things that he put in motion, he says the heavens are yours, the earth also is yours, the world and its fullness. You have founded them, the north and the south, you have created them. Just kind of a reminder to us that God is the creator of all things, including the, the abilities that each one of us have. And Isaiah chapter 55 tells us that sometimes in our own wisdom, we want to say, well, look what I was able to do. Look what I thought through instead of saying, this is what God's plan is. And in those painful times, this is the one that I would like people to turn to and say, we don't understand sometimes that pain that happens. The fireman that lost his life. We don't understand some of that pain and why we go through those things, but God is in control. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And I think it's important when we talk about how great God is that we understand that in the good times and in the bad times that he is there for us and that we need to understand that his plan isn't going to match up our plan. I don't know how you are, but I know sometimes uh, Lenise and I need to work on our communication. My wife and I sometimes we uh, have some issues when we say, okay, we're going to do things. Here recently, uh, we were traveling after the birth of our grandson, and we passed back through Vernon. If you've ever been through Vernon, uh, go to a place called Bevo's, Bevo's Burgers, and 
even though it has ties back to UT, I still eat there. And uh, it's important for, for you to know. But we usually, when we're getting about 15, 20 minutes on our way back, if it's around dinner time or lunch time, we'll order. And we call in our order. Well, we did that, and they said it'd be about 20 minutes. And we pull in there, and I had to use the facility. So I went in, and I think I made some sort of comment about what are you going to do. But she was still in the car when I went in. But I went in, and I got back up to the counter to pay for, my, uh, for, to pay for the burgers that we had ordered. And she said, that's already been picked up. And I'm like, great. You know, we called ahead. We got this. And I said, who would have picked up my order? You know, it, we had a strawberry and a chocolate shake in there. And I thought it was kind of odd. You know, the rest of it was pretty basic. But nonetheless, never, never anything else went through my head except for why did somebody else take our order? But they said, well, they paid for it and everything. I said, well, I still want the food. So I ordered again. <laughs> ah, I know. You're probably thinking what happened, and that's kind of where I tell you my talents are limited sometimes. But uh, anyway, um, so got that, and the lady was really nice up front. And she's like, here's the deal. I said, I'm parked right out here. She said, go ahead and go to your car. We'll bring it out to you. So I went out to the car, opened up the door. There's the food that Lanice had paid for already. So we got double orders, and I think uh, <laughs> Craig still has some hamburgers in his refrigerator if he hadn't already thrown them out. <laughs> But it's things like that that sometimes that communication, we don't understand even between the two of us sometimes exactly what the plan was. I don't know how she snuck in there without me knowing. I don't know why it didn't clue into me that I should probably ask her, was that you? But I didn't. And it's one of those things that sometimes we get to questioning God and some of the, some of the things that happen in our life. Instead of saying, he's in charge, his thoughts are higher than my thoughts, we need to make sure that we are staying close to where we understand that he's got a plan when we don't always understand what that plan is. This happened a couple of times. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 1 and 2 says, Thus saith the Lord, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made and all those things exist, saith the Lord. But on this one will I look on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. Again, confirming God is the one. We didn't build anything for him. Those things that we make on this earth aren't for him. He made all those things. He made the materials. It's amazing to me what goes into a piece of lumber as far as a tree that's growing in the process to be able to get it. If I was the one that was actually in charge of getting the raw material that I like to use so much, it probably wouldn't be very good either. So it's those things that he has set in motion. Give God the glory and all those things. I think it's interesting in, in the last part of that, the one that he's going to look upon is the one that's poor and of a contrite spirit who trembles at my word. And not necessarily the fear of I'm afraid of what's God, what, is, what God is going to do to me, but understanding that he is so much greater than we are that we cannot sit in our mind and say, okay, well, this was God's plan. This was God's plan. This was God's plan. We can't see his plan for us. Job had those same issues in Job chapter 38, verse 4 through 6, and God actually asked Job this question. He says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurement? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To, to what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstones? God did all that, not Job. Job wasn't the one that did that. But God's asking him that question, and I think through the inspired word of God, asks us that question today on are you going to allow God 
our great God to be in charge of those decisions and those things that happen in our life. I think it's important for us that when we get comfortable with where we're at and start taking for granted, as you will see in your personal lives from time to time when I take my wife for granted, when I take my kids for granted, when I take my in-laws for granted, and then that stretches out sometimes to my brothers and sisters in Christ for granted, get to thinking about me and what's affecting me instead of what could be affecting other people in our life. We can get so much wisdom from that. It's important to understand, most of all, that the way God communicates to us is not the way he communicated to Job when he asked that question. This Bible right here, the Word of God that has been given to us, is our instructions. It is what God's plan was for us all the time. And we can think about, well, why didn't he do this? Why didn't he do that? And I don't think a lot of us ponder, why didn't he have a different plan for us? But sometimes in our own wisdom, sometimes we think, well, it it would have been easier if we had done this or if he was speaking to us today. Get those thoughts out of your head because this is what he has given for us and what he wants us to follow. Psalms 119.105, all of Psalms 119 is very good to, to be able to make reference to. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my pathway. In that same chapter, verse 27, it says, Make me understand the ways of your precepts, so, I shall, so shall I meditate on your wonderful works. And again, things of admonition for us to go out and say, Okay, how do I serve God better and how do I redeem the time that he's given to me better? Because others need to understand how great our God is. And think about this for a minute. If you that have been going to church here a while, very well probably ingrained or entrenched, so to speak, in a good way in the congregation here, if I have thoughts like that from time to time on having to remind myself how great God is, think about those that are outside the fold. And there may be some here who haven't accepted the gospel of Christ. Understand the doubts that may creep into my mind may be multiplied in others, and I think it's important that we help others to understand the ways of God's precepts. In that same chapter, verse 15 and 16, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. We've had some uh, city issues to say the least, and I hope there's no city officials in the audience today, but I'm not putting down the city because I I, I can't appreciate the laws that we have. But from time to time, it says, I will delight in myself in your statutes. You know, there's a lot of things sometimes in our Christian lives that we don't particularly like, probably. We don't enjoy, and we wonder why, and this, that, and the other. But we need to delight ourselves in those laws that have been given to us, the word that has been given to us, whether we like the the law or whether we don't. We've been going through a where can I put a a, a fence and how tall can I do it in front of our house here recently with the city. And it was very fortunate, I think, for me on the timing of it, at least in my mind, to be able to understand that we recently were in some third world countries and third world situations where I looked around and I typically do this when I go to places like that and say how good we have it here in America how good we have it in the United States because some of those laws and statutes that the city will impose on me and on you, I hate. And I don't use that word a lot, but I hate some of those laws. And I will tell you, some of those city officials don't like those laws either when they go to that. But if we didn't have those laws, we could end up in a situation like some of those third world countries are in. So do we appreciate 
when God gives us those instructions, whether we like those instructions or not, do we use them? And do we take this word of God that has been given to us, and it's talked about in just several verses, which we could list slide after slide after slide, on meditating on the word that has been given to us. The other thing that I really like about the word of God is the outlines that it gives you sometimes for study. And I will challenge all of you today to kind of look at your, your, your personal habits when you study. And if it's a struggle for you to pick up the Bible, read it, and understand it, and kind of delve into it, ask somebody to help you. Ask somebody to kind of help me. How, what's your process? And I'm not saying my process would work for your process and so forth and so on. But if it's a stumbling block that keeps you from digging into the Word, you need to figure out how can I study that a little bit more to understand what his statutes are so I can delight in those and to build our faith in what we have. And the outlines that are written for us in the Bible, I think, are so important to us. The one this morning specifically, and that all, I don't want to scare anybody, that all was not my introduction. So I don't want anybody to think, oh man, that was his introduction, what's the rest of it going to be? I told a a few people that that, uh, understand I didn't want to talk until 1230 today. So Um, Zephaniah 317, the Lord God is in your midst. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. This is the outline, I think, for understanding how great our God is and taking this hopefully into your lives too and saying, How can I better serve this great God that has given me everything in my life and continues to take care care of me? This, by the way, is a great memory verse for those who are out there, young or old. Commit this to memory. I've got a song that you can sing along with it if you want to that I certainly am not going to do this morning up here publicly, but uh, that, that can really help you. And when you get down or when you get discouraged or when you feel like maybe you're taking some things for granted, look at this verse right here. So the outline is actually this. We're going to switch it up just a little bit. The Lord God is in your midst. The mighty one will save. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will rejoice over you with singing. As God's creation, we need to make sure that we understand God's creation and being a child of God in some cases can be two different things. There's certain paths that we need to understand. The Lord God is in your midst and the mighty one will save. This verse here has always confused me in my life. Romans chapter 8 and verse 31, the last part of verse 31 says, If God is for us, who can be against us? When we talk about how great our God is, if all of us say, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who's right and who's wrong? I think of this specifically when you're thinking about maybe the way this nation was founded with the Revolutionary War. If you have Great Britain that was saying, if God is for us, who can be against us? And you have the the colonists in this country that were saying, if God is for us, who can be against us? Then who's right? God can't be for both of those. But we're putting that into earthly terms. And I'm not trying to say I understand God's wisdom in all of this right here. But we're putting that into earthly terms in this verse and kind of taking it out of context to say, well, whatever we do, if it fails, it's because God wasn't with us. This life that he has set in motion, the weather patterns, all of the things that happen, I'm sure a lot of us, if we controlled the wind, would probably calm that wind down on certain days. I guarantee you there's been lots of prayers for rain. We would probably have it rain just a little bit more. But God put all that in motion for us, and we need to understand that. But if we go back a couple of verses in uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, it talks about likewise the Spirit. Again, when you talk about the Word, the three that will help us, God, 
God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit that is with, with us. Romans chapter 8, it talks about leading up to if God is for us, who can be against us. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for, for as we ought, but as the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. In verse 27, Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Again, going back to God's in charge, not my will, God's will be done. And as it says in verse 28, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So all of you may be thinking of times in your life where all things didn't work together for your good. And it happens. There are things that we feel like didn't work together for our good. And we say, why would God allow those things to happen? It says very pointedly, I think, in that last part of it, according to his purpose. We don't understand his plan, and we shouldn't try to figure out his plan in some cases. Do the best we can, put our faith and trust in that, in the, in the spirit, the word that has been given to us, in Christ that has been given to us, and in God's ultimate wisdom, in his creation that he wants all of us and loves all of us. James chapter 4 and verse 8 tells us, says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And I know a lot of you have probably heard this in your, in your walks, but understanding that um, God, when we have issues, God doesn't leave us. Sometimes we leave God. Sometimes we, in our own wisdom, will say, well, I'll feel better if I do this. I'll feel better if I do that. Instead of turning to God's word, turning to God's people in some cases, or taking the path that God would have us to do, we leave God. Substance abuse is, is outrageous in this, in this day and age because so many people are trying to forget about their troubles or their woes or not turning to God for their strength and their guidance and their wisdom. They are turning to other things that helps them to forget or helps them to, to get away from that when the escape is stay near to God and he will stay near to you. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 11, when we think about drawing near to God, I think it's important us to think about this verse here. Matthew chapter 7, 11 says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to him who asks? And when we think about gifts, and we think about specifically our kids, and we have a lot of parents and grandparents in the audience, and, and kids as you're growing up that can kind of maybe make some applications to, to future. But when you give a gift to your child, you want them to enjoy it. You want it to be useful to them. And that gets a little bit more challenging as your kids get older. So uh, Lenise and I have opted to stop giving gifts to our kids and just give them to our grandkids. You know, it works a lot better. It's a lot more fun too. But sometimes those gifts, sometimes they don't like. Sometimes our kids don't have a use for them when we give them to them. And that hurts a little bit to those that are giving. And I think about God, and again, not trying to put myself that I'm in the mind of God to know this, but think about the gifts that he gives you every single day, every single day that we just take for granted. 
that it's just like, well, this is the way it's supposed to be. God, you know, God takes care of me. This is just the way it's supposed to be, and don't give him the glory or maybe the recognition, and that's where I've got to, I've got to pick my game up a lot is in that recognition that God gives those good gifts. Now, I don't know what the discipline is like in, in your household, but my household growing up, it was, it was pretty strict, I would say. Uh, I uh, was at the other end of a belt several times from my dad, and I still uh, um, need some therapy sometimes when I hear a belt coming off of somebody's pants because those of you who've heard that sound is not a pleasant sound, and I get the cold chills. And <sighs> Anyway, that's kind of what we went through. Those were not fun times, I promise you. Those were not fun times. Sometimes when you receive that punishment, it's not fun. Did it make me better? Did the purpose of the punishment, the punitive damage that I had, did it help me in my walks? You think, well, in my judgment, some of it did, some of it didn't, and most of it was probably because a lot of it didn't stick with me. But when God... Not that he looks down and gives us punitive damage or punishes us for things that we do, but those decisions that we make that we want to blame God for sometimes is our own will and saying, I'm just going down a different path. He knows how to give us the gifts that are going to help keep us on the straight and narrow, and that does not mean that our life is going to be completely comfortable in all that we give. But the biggest gift that he gave us, John chapter 3 and verse 16, so for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life the greatest gift that could have been given and he understood that we needed that he understood from the very beginning of time when talked about jesus being there in the holy spirit there let us make man in our own image all three of them there at the time that understood that this was going to happen and that we would have everlasting life doesn't mean that it's going to be all rainbows and lollipops when we're on this earth but understanding there's a greater place for us to go. John chapter 14 and verse 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do we believe those words that Jesus said? And in this world today, can we teach that to others to understand that without Jesus and the, and the gospel of salvation, that there is no hope, that you need to be added to the that you need to be added to the body, be added to the kingdom, the church, the bride of Christ that he died for, that we will remember his death on the cross here in, in a little bit, but understanding what all Jesus did for us in that ultimate gift that was given to us from God, our creator. As we continue on, he will quiet you with his love. You know, he brings peace where there is no peace if we will let him. He will bring calm where there's where, where there is no calm if we allow him to. And that doesn't mean that we're not going to have sorrow. That doesn't mean we're not going to have pain. But if we allow Christ in our heart and God to be able to be near to us and us near to him, he will quiet us with his love. Isaiah chapter 40. Sorry, I got the next verse. Luke chapter 15. Uh, in the parable that he spoke to them of the 99 sheep, there's 99 sheep that were saved, and one was astray. And as we read this, Luke chapter 15 and verse 3, it says, So he spoke this parable, saying, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice 
with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Now this is something that our, as our pride from time to time swells up, we think about, well, you know, that one person that's out there that, that we can help. When Christ is trying to reach out to the one and the 99 are already in the fold, and then sometimes I get a little bit disappointed because somebody else is getting some attention over here. They need the attention, and Christ understood that, that he will say, I will re- there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner that repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Now, that's a God that loves his creation. That's a God that is great in all things. That is a God that gave us this plan, gave us Jesus, so that that individual could be saved and that everybody, if they follow the scriptures that have been given to us, can be saved. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31, just words of comfort to us when we talk talk about needing peace. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like wings. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and be not faint. And if there's ever some stumbling times in your life and some down times in your life, Mark this one in your, in your Bible and read it. And it's on sometimes on, on bookmarks. It's sometimes on plaques. You'll see this a lot. But it's not just words. It's what our Creator God has given to us so that we, we can be quiet in His love. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 tells us to be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God. And I will tell you I do that a lot when things are going great. It's easy to do when things are going great but do I do that and give him thanks for sometimes the hard times in my life because some of those hard times in my life may help me down the road that I don't know about do I give him the glory in those things and continuing on in verse 7 and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus so when he quiets us with his love we don't always understand it says we will not understand how he's going to quiet us with his love. We're not going to understand that peace of God sometime, but we need to trust it and stay near to God in all things that we do. Mark chapter 4. Now this is as as Jesus is going into the, the Sea of Galilee, and understand during this time frame that we're talking about, Jesus had a great following. And that there were a lot of people that the multitudes would follow him. You can read in the scriptures a few times where Jesus kind of sought retreat and to to get away from the multitude to be quiet and and have some prayer time and meditation time alone. Um, But this is when it says they had, now when they had left the multitude, they took took him along in a boat, talking about Jesus, as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And, and this particular passage, I like this, that there are other little boats. So you've got a boat that Jesus is in, and you have a lot of little boats. And what are they doing? They're trying to get, in my opinion, they're trying to get close to Jesus. They're trying to get close to that Savior and all the miracles that he has shown to them. And it says, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was uh, already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we perish? And how many times have we said that in life? Does Jesus, does God not care what I'm going through right now? Does he not know how hard it is for me? We have to trust that he does care for us, and even in those hard times, he has not forsaken us or turned his back on us. 
And he says in verse 39, Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. That great calm may not happen miraculously on this earth for you. That great calm may not be right around the corner for those who are going through troubled times, those who are going through illnesses, those who are going through loss. But if we turn to the scriptures and we trust God, that great calm will be there for all of us when the time comes. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am, all, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And I think this was important for us to understand and those who may be visiting with us to understand the, the word that has been given to us has to be followed. It's not a matter we can pick and choose to say, okay, this, these, these are what I'm going to do and these are the ones I'm not going to do. It's important to us. It says, teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Understand the word. And the only way we're going to understand that word is through digging into this. Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday night teaching is not going to give us all the Bible that we need for us to be able to make it in this life. And the peace that comes, that quiet, to quiet us with his love, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. I think it's important for us to take courage in that. The last one, he will rejoice, and this is my last slide, by the way. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will rejoice over you with singing. Now, this one, I've known the, the, the Zephaniah 317 for a while and had that uh, kind of memorized in that song and everything, but Coulter gave us a lesson the other night on singing and how we should sing and, and all that. And we have a lot of that, singing our praises. And it wasn't really this morning, the singing was very good. It wasn't about us filling our ears with things that were pleasing to us. It was about raising our hearts to God and raising our praise to God in what we do. Think about, though, the creator of this universe, how great a God he is, and all the things that we know about God are very few other than what he has done for us. But think about a creator, a God, that sings. Okay, you got that? A God that sings. And then a God that sings over me. He sings over me? Our creator for each one of you will sing over you? He will rejoice over you with singing is what the scriptures tell me. That is huge that we have a God that is so great that he will sing over you. And I think it's interesting to know, and I don't know that it's a physical singing, that one day we all will hear God singing and know the song that he sang for you. What's the song he sings for you? Think about that in your life as you go forward. John chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus talks about my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Take courage in the fact that we've got a great God 
that loves you, cares for you, does not want to see anybody perish, which we didn't go through those verses, but wants everybody to have eternal life. If you're here this morning and you need the encouragement to do that, to help you in your walk, to draw near to God, we want to assist you with that if we can through prayer, through those things that we do in our lives, through study, whatever the case may be. And if there be one here this morning who understands how to be added, the baptizing and understanding those steps that go to salvation and being added to the kingdom, and you haven't taken those steps that has been given to us and laid out for us in the scriptures or wants to do more study on that. But if there be one here this morning that needs help, we ask you to come and have a seat on the front pew as we stand and sing the song that's been selected. Savior, calling the oppressed.